Today's episode is a very special one because it is all about you, lovely listeners. During season two, I asked you to submit your self-care, well-being, burning questions to our listeners question cup and oh my goodness, did you guys deliver I am so excited to be dedicating this whole episode to answering your questions on topics like self-care, productivity, relationships, personal growth, and so much more. I have to say, I love hearing from you all and getting to know you better. You are the reason that I do this podcast, and I am so grateful for your support this season and all of the engagement with the show and over on Instagram as well. So whether you're tuning in during your morning commute or on your mental health walk outside or just taking a few minutes to be with yourself, I hope that this episode is going to be informative, inspirational, and just help you feel good today. So get cozy, grab a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and let's dive into the listener's question cup. My name's Laura, a teacher turned creator, but you can think of me like your new internet big sister. And each episode of Fill Up Your Cup, like a deep and meaningful conversation from a friend who never wants you to feel alone in what you're going through. Whether your confidence cup is dried up or your self-love cup is looking a little closer to empty than full, I'm gonna teach you how to add more feel goodness back into your different cups and as a result, your life. So pop in your headphones, cozy up with a warm cup of tea or whatever takes your fancy and let me troubleshoot your problems with you because together and with the right mindset we can face anything lovely listeners. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to Fill Up Your Cup, the podcast that is all about helping you add more joy, more creativity, more confidence, and more feel good vibes into your life. I am very, very excited about today's episode. So I wanted to do something extra special for the last couple of episodes as we end out the season because it has been another amazing season of the show. Your support has been incredible. We are nearing 10,000 all-time downloads, which blows my mind because we only started the show in September and we also took a very long break for the Christmas break. So I'm just blown away that so many of you have come back to the second season to keep listening and you've brought along a lot of friends. Our community is growing, it is thriving and I am very excited to be ending out season two. I'm sad that I will not be able to connect with you through a new episode for a couple of weeks, but I am excited because I can't wait to use the break between the seasons to plan how I'm going to make season three even better, even bigger, even more feel good. So for these last two episodes, I wanted to do something special. Obviously, next week's episode is going to be our episode from our Fill Up Your Cup Live, which I hosted last week and it was amazing and I cannot wait to share everything that we got into with you in next week's episode. Um, but I also wanted to do something a little bit different for today's episode 
And when I was trying to think of how I could end out the season in a way that would connect with you guys and just, I guess, foster that sense of community and also spend an episode giving back to you, our listeners, our community, those of you who reach out to me, who respond to the podcast weekly newsletter, who comment and send me messages on Instagram as at philipyourcuppod if you don't follow us over there. And just make this feel like a growing community that it is. I decided to have a look at our listeners question cup. There were a good few questions inside in our listeners question cup that I actually hadn't got an opportunity to specifically answer in an episode. And so I thought what a great idea it would be to dedicate a whole episode just to answering the questions that were in the listeners question cup that I hadn't gotten to this season. So that is exactly what we are going to do today. I am diving in. I am pouring out what is in the listeners question cup. I am going to be answering your questions that you have sent in about the topics that we have covered in season two already. So we're just going to dive in because we've got a good few questions to get through and I'm excited to get going on it. So let's start with our first question. This question comes from an anonymous listener and their question is, what is the best way to tell someone that you need space to practice self-care? Great question to start us off because it obviously touches on one of my favorite topics to talk about on this show, which is self-care, but also another topic that I love, which is boundaries and how much of our boundaries involve communication. So the first thing I think that I would say to this particular question is that self-care, as I've said before, doesn't need to be big, grand actions. Self-care is deeply personal to you and how you choose to show up for yourself and your well-being needs. Self-care is any action that you do to take care of yourself. So very often the best way that we can pour into our cup the most supportive type of self-care are those small everyday actions that we choose to take to maintain the different areas of our well-being. One way that I really love to show up for myself through self-care is my skincare routine, which I do every morning and every evening. And that is five to 10 minutes that I give myself that I don't rush through because it is a small everyday action that I, first of all, I'm doing to look after my skin, but second of all, allows me to just slow down and be present with myself. I can repeat some affirmations to myself while I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I can take a moment before I start my day just to be here and present in the now. And I can take a moment at the end of the day to just kind of let go and find my calm rather than allowing my buzzing thoughts to continue when I move to bed. So I'm ready to sleep, which is another form of self-care. So I think the first thing that I really want to tackle there and what I'm really coming to with my point here is that sometimes one of the big blocks that we have around self-care and having a self-care routine and quote unquote making time for self-care is that we have this narrative that self-care has to be 
a specific action that we do outside of our daily routines. And so when we have very busy lifestyles, when we have a family, when we have other responsibilities, we often convince ourselves that we don't have time for self-care or we can't make time for self-care or we don't have the space in our lives for self-care because we have so many other things going on in our lives. But actually, one way that you can make space to practice self-care is starting to be mindful and reflect on how you can show up for yourself in small ways throughout your day as well. Because those small ways that you show up for yourself, that you pause to give yourself a second to recharge, to collect your thoughts, those small actions can compound and build to make sure that you keep your cup topped up and maintained so that you're not always operating from this point of view of give all the energy out until you have that moment where you can pour back in. So that's the first thing that I would reflect on in terms of if making space for self-care is becoming a block for you actually showing up for yourself, maybe reflect on how you can show up for yourself in small ways first throughout your day before you become maybe too invested or frustrated by the fact that you can't take big chunks to create time for self-care. And then when it does come down to that me time, because we do all need that me time as well. But how do we communicate it? How do we tell someone that we need that space without letting that guilt set in of feeling like it's selfish to ask for that space because it's not. And this comes back to this idea of boundaries. Another book that I've mentioned a couple of times on the show is Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Tawab Glover. Nedra talks a lot about that the foundation of self-care and therefore the foundation of how we maintain our own well-being is boundaries. And a lot of us struggle with boundaries and that can be a generational thing in terms of how we grew up and how we were raised and how boundaries were modeled to us or the lack of boundaries were modeled to us. Asking for what we need and creating that that boundary around me time becomes a big thing in our minds because we haven't done it before. Here is the the nugget of wisdom at the center of all of that is that if you want to ask for space to practice self-care, if you are feeling this need for me time, the only way that you can ask for it is to communicate it and communicate it from a place of compassion and a place of calm. My fiance and I are together for nearly 10 years and communication is something that in a long-term relationship you just have to practice and keep working on and not just assume that the other person knows what you need. You have to communicate it with words from a place of compassion and a place of calm so that the other person doesn't feel like this is coming from a place of resentment or attack, that it's just coming from a place of compassion and calm and a relationship again that's not just romantic relationship that is work relationship that is family relationship that is friendship relationship because sometimes that space that we need for self-care 
comes from the time that we might give to a friend. So whatever relationship that this is that you would like to create this space for your me time, for your self-care time, you need to sit down with that person or bring this up in a moment of calm and come from a place of com- of compassion and just communicate as clearly as you can why you would like to create this routine of having some me time or some alone time and what that would look like and then allow for them to ask questions and open a dialogue around it in terms of trying to find a compromise to make this work for you. So if you are in a situation where you are a parent and so asking for this me time means that your co-parent is going to have to manage the kids on their own for a little bit of time or your uh, parents might be helping you or whoever is going to help you create this space for your self-care, make sure that you allow them to also communicate what their needs are and what their boundaries around this are. Communicate clearly, create a boundary with some guidelines around it with some rules with some parameters whatever it is find a compromise so that this works for both of you that you get your me time but not in a way that is draining so much from the other person as well try it out and if it's not working communicate that if the other person isn't um, respecting the boundary communicate that but always come at it from that place of calm and compassion so that you can both be heard and listen to each other as well. Switching up the topic a little bit with this next question, again, coming from an anonymous listener. This listener asks, what strategies do you recommend to be independently accountable? Do you have any ideas for tracking progress? How can I give myself permission to also celebrate my small steps? We've talked a lot about goal setting this season. We also had a whole episode last week where we talked about building uh, better habits and more self-supportive routines to help us move towards the version of, of ourselves that we want to be. And with all of that, with this idea of goal setting, with this idea of freeing ourselves from busy, like we talked with Danielle Brooker, with this idea of resetting the mindset algorithm, like we talked about with Chloe Slade, all of these wonderful things that we talk about, whether that's self-care, developing new routines, setting ourselves goals, accountability is such a big, big part of it. And for many people, being independently accountable is a really challenging thing. So the first thing that I would say is that if holding yourself accountable doesn't work, if you've tried to hold yourself accountable in the past and you've tried different methods and they still don't work, maybe you need to look at finding an accountability buddy. An accountability buddy can be someone that you know in your own life that you trust to go on this journey with. So whether that's a goal that you're working towards, that you know someone else in your life who either is going to be working towards a similar goal or is working towards different goals and you can just check in with each other and hold each other accountable in a supportive, non-judgmental way. Do you have someone in your life who can help you with that? Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a work colleague, just someone that you can share your goal with and also 
listen to what their goal is and have time to check in with each other. So whether that's agreeing to have like your monthly goal setting time together that you sit down, even if you're working on different goals, it's really just about creating a space where you have someone else to be accountable to if you really do struggle with that self-accountability and being accountable independently. To just create that safe space to listen and be heard. So that's the first thing that I would say to that. If you're struggling to hold yourself accountable, find someone in your life and and be each other's accountability buddies because sometimes just knowing that you're going to have someone that you're going to have to talk to about this and that you're going to have to admit to that you didn't keep up with this goal or this habit that you wanted to set for yourself motivates you in a different way, especially if you struggle to motivate yourself. And if you don't have someone in your life that you know personally that you would trust to be your accountability buddy, then you can also look um, at joining um, a chat board, like a Discord group or a Facebook group or an Instagram page. Um, Find a community of people who are like-minded, who are working on similar goals to you and just connect with people on there to find a group of people who you can work together remotely to hold each other accountable. You might want to set up like a group chat and you can just check in with each other and motivate each other. And so it doesn't have to be someone that you know in your life. It can just be a community of people who are also working towards similar things that can help you develop this accountability. If you really want to work on the independent independent accountability, and I get that as well because there is something quite satisfying about being able to self-motivate and hold yourself accountable, then a visual tracking is great. Something that you can see. So whether that's something as simple as printing out a monthly calendar and sticking it up somewhere in your home that you're going to see it every day. So that could be on the fridge, that could be on your bathroom mirror, it could be inside the door of your wardrobe, somewhere that you cross several times a day so that you have to look at it and so that you get that visual reminder of what you are working on. And you could have your goal written at the top in big font so that you see it every day. And then every day that you meet that goal or you complete that habit or you hit all of the targets, you can give yourself a tick. And every time that you don't meet your goal, then you mark that as well so that you have this really clear visual. And this isn't about punishing yourself or being hard on yourself, but it's just about being honest with yourself and being accountable. Today I did it and tomorrow or yesterday I didn't. And it's just about creating that honest visual for yourself and sometimes the first time we do this there's going to end up being more red x's than there are green ticks but that in itself can be a really powerful motivator because if you start to see that balance not going the way you want you have that visual there staring you in the face and the only person who has the power to change that is you your choices and your actions. So a visual calendar is great. A sticker chart, like when you were a kid, that can be really fun and great as well. And it adds a little bit of a fun element to it. Um, Another fun idea, again, this is something that I 
came across when I worked in teaching is creating like a loyalty card. So like when you have a coffee shop where you buy 10 coffees and your 11th one is free and you have those little cards that get the stamp on it, you can do something similar for your goal or your target or that habit that you're working on. So every time that you meet your target or you complete your daily habit, you can have a stamp or you can punch a hole in it. And when you get X amount of stamps or X amount of holes punched in it, you can have a reward for yourself at that point. So you have something to motivate yourself to keep moving forward. And then obviously the only person who's going to move you forward to get those stamps to punch those holes is you yourself. And so therefore that's where the accountability element comes in. But you have that idea of, well, every 10 times that I do this, I'm going to reward myself in some way. And that can be just something as small as like taking yourself out for a coffee or buying yourself uh, your favorite chocolate bar or whatever it is, a small attainable reward that can help motivate you to keep showing up to this goal or this habit. And then another one that I've been using recently and trying out is habit tracking apps. Again, these are great because they are really visual. The one I've been using is called Habit Tracker. You can get it from the app store for free. And what I love about it is you can personalize each habit around different parameters. So for example, one of mine is to drink uh, two liters of water every day. So that habit I like put in the milliliters of water that I'm drinking as I'm drinking it. Another one of my habits is to read for 30 minutes in the day. So when you set it up on time, you can have a timer to stop and start as you are working on that habit. Another one is steps. So it actually takes the data from your health app and plugs it in so you can see your step bar filling up as you physically do more steps. And then another one of my habits is to run three times a week at the moment. So that one is literally just I did it or I didn't and it will tick it. And you can also set which days you're doing this habit on and which are not so that you don't have to have a habit up on the screen that you're not doing that day and feeling like you're not achieving it. So it's a super personalizable app. And so that makes it really great for that accountability because it's actually enjoyable to use. It kind of has that little bit of gamification to it. And there are more habit tracking apps that play into more of that gamification where you feel like you're playing a game, hitting these milestones and you have your uh, streaks for how many days you've kept up the habit as well. And that adds a bit more fun around it. But what you really are doing is working on that accountability. And the final part of that question, which I loved, is how can I give myself permission to celebrate the small steps? The first thing that I I would say to that is the only person who's going to give you permission to celebrate your small wins or the only person who is stopping you from celebrating your small wins is you. You don't don't need to give yourself permission. You've just got to choose that you are going to celebrate your small wins. And I think the the bigger block here in terms of how do we celebrate our small wins is not giving ourselves permission, but knowing what that looks like in terms of celebration and what we are celebrating. Celebrating a small win might be that you did your goal every day that week. Like I said, you've got your loyalty card and you punch it every time that you complete your habit or you hit your target. And once you've filled that card, you 
already know what your celebration or your reward is going to be. If you decide in advance how you're going to celebrate your small steps or your small wins when you set out and you're setting yourself up and you're setting your steps for success in terms of what that's going to look like, if you already decide what your celebration or your reward is going to look like, then giving yourself permission to do it when that moment arrives is going to be easy because you've been working towards this reward, this moment, this small win. So think about what that celebration would look like so that you get excited about celebrating, about giving yourself that reward and it becomes a part of this relationship that you have with yourself as you work on this personal development, as you work on your goals. Another thing to think about is that celebrating your small wins can sometimes be as simple as pausing to be present and mindful in the moment of that win. I think the word celebration is associated again with big actions and grand gestures but celebrating your small wins can be as simple as just being present with yourself and your feelings about this achievement in the moment that it happens just taking a moment to just pause to be present to soak it all in before you move forward because a lot of the time we're future focused and as we're coming close to meeting a goal or hitting a milestone or having a small win, we're already thinking about what the next step is. So how are we building on from this goal? And so the closer that we get to that milestone, the less of a celebratory feeling we have around it because we've already set ourselves the next milestone or the next goalpost or the next target that we need to set. So One way to really celebrate your small wins is to slow down and be present with that achievement before you set yourself your next target, before you move your focus to, okay, but what's next? And that's really how you give yourself permission. Slow down and be mindful. This episode of Fill Up Your Cup podcast is not sponsored, but I wanted to take a moment to thank all of you lovely listeners for tuning in for this second season of the show. I love producing this podcast for you guys and bringing you inspiring interviews and actionable ideas and just adding more joy and creativity and confidence and general feel goodness to your life. I absolutely love the community that is growing around this podcast and every week that I sit down to record and edit new episodes for you guys and to hear your feedback from previous episodes, it really genuinely brings me so much joy. And as the podcast grows and as the community grows, I want to create more opportunities for us to connect as a community and also to give you guys an opportunity to support the show and to show your support and love for what I am doing here. So if you are enjoying the show and you want to show your support, please consider supporting Fill Up Your Cup podcast on coffee.com. You've heard me talk about coffee.com before, but now Fill Up Your Cup has its own dedicated coffee page where you can make a one-off donation. So send me a coffee 
or you can subscribe for a small monthly amount to join the fill up your cup community over on coffee where i will be sharing extra behind the scenes some extra free downloads extra content extra feel goodness and you're also going to be the first to know about everything that's happening in the podcast the page is brand new and the community is just starting so if you want to be one of the first to get in on that you can head to coffee.com forward slash fill up your cup and I've put the link to that in the show notes as well I just want to say how much I appreciate every single one of you and I'm super grateful for your support of this podcast so far and so excited to keep going next season for season three Our next question comes from Skylar. I loved this question because it's a topic that we haven't covered on the show yet. And Skylar's question is, how do I teach or help other people to be more kind? I do love this idea of teaching other people to be kind, but This does come with a little bit of a disclaimer because what we have to always be aware of, especially when we're on a journey of personal development, personal growth, when we're really working on bettering ourselves and we start to have those breakthroughs and we start to see the power in working on that ourselves or the power in something like being kind and practicing random acts of kindness and just the feeling that that creates for us. We often have this instinct of I need to teach or show or help other people in my life to feel this way too. And even though that comes from a place of good intentions, you cannot control other people's actions, behaviors, emotions, or mindsets. You can't control how someone else is going to react to a situation. You can't control someone else's choices or how they see the world in terms of putting them on this path that you're on if they're not ready to be there with you. And that's a really frustrating thing sometimes when we're in this place of personal development and there are people in our lives that we love and care about and we see ways that they could be experiencing life from a more joyful point of view, from a more empowering point of view, and we see how much potential they have, but they're not ready for it yet. All we can do is keep doing our best to show up for ourselves and to show up for that person in the best way that's possible. When you think about how can we teach other people in our lives to be more kind, really the only way that we can teach kindness is to practice kindness. We learn as young learners when we are kids, we learn by watching the adults in the world around us to see what they do, to see how they interact with each other, to see how they treat other people as well. And when it comes to kindness the only way we can really teach kindness is to show kindness and so if there are people in your life that you really want to help be kinder people coming from that place of you can't change how they think 
unless they're ready to change that themselves, then really the only thing that you can do is to show them kindness and teach them kindness through kind actions. Be the change that you want to see in the world. If you want to create more kindness in your communities, in your classrooms, in your family, in your friendship groups, start by being more kind, by being more compassionate, by creating space for those people and showing them acts of kindness without expecting anything in return from them. Have your boundaries around your well-being but give them what you can extra to show them how wonderful kindness can feel when you are on the other end of it. And then just leave that space and understanding for them and hope that they're going to learn from your example. Our next question comes from an anonymous listener again. How can I find the right self-care for me? I am one of those people who often thinks that taking time for self-care or time for myself is selfish, even though I want that for others. I want them to have this time for self-care because I feel like they deserve it more than me. Great question. Um, we did dive into this a lot earlier in the season. There's a whole episode on how to find the right self-care for you. But I love this idea of how do I find the right self-care for me and, and be okay with taking the time and making the space in my life to practice self-care because it makes me feel selfish, even though I encourage other people to do the same thing. And I think that's something that I can relate to as well. I mean, I talk about self-care all of the time. I tell people to create boundaries in your life for yourself to show up for your well-being. But I'm also so guilty of putting certain responsibilities in my life ahead of my self-care because I give those responsibilities or my responsibility to that person higher value often than I do my time to myself. So let's look at that part of it first in terms of overcoming that hurdle of feeling selfish around making time and space in your life to show up for yourself. And the the core part of that is the, the most important thing to take away and the most important mindset that you can have around this, this mindset shift that you can have around this is that you are just as worthy of your own time and energy and love as everyone else in your life that you give it to. More than that, in many cases, you are more worthy of your time and energy and love because by giving yourself that time, by creating space to recharge your energy, by showing yourself love and respect, you will be more able and ready to show up to the other responsibilities and the other people in your life. You need to create the time in your life to rest, to recharge, to sleep, to build back up your energy, to fill back up your own cup. Because if you don't, you won't have the energy, you won't have the well-being to show up to your responsibilities and the people in your life that you want to show up for to your best ability because you're not going to be functioning to your best ability because you're not 100%. So that's the first thing. 
that when it comes to knowing what the right self-care for you is, that's about checking in with the different areas of your well-being. The three basic ones to check in with if you don't know where to start are your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, and your social well-being. Think about which one of those three maybe most needs your attention in this moment that you're trying to choose the right self-care for you. And so the next step in choosing the right self-care is thinking what is one small right action that I can do to respond to my needs in this area of my well-being? How can I help myself show up for myself? How can I help Uh, fill into this area of my well-being and respond directly to this need. So if you check in with your physical well-being and you're feeling tired, then your self-care action is something that is going to allow you to feel energized. So something restful. If you check in with your emotional well-being and you're not feeling very resilient or you're feeling quite anxious and worried, some self-care action that you might be able to do are things like journaling to reflect and connect with yourself and and figure out what's taking up space in your mind. It might be, you know, writing a list of all the things that you need to do so that you can clear a little bit of your mental space. It might be talking to someone about what's on your mind so that you're not just carrying it around with yourself and letting it eat up your energy and and empty your emotional well-being cup. And if you check in with your social well-being and you maybe realize that you're feeling a little bit lonely, your self-care action might be making a plan with friends. If your social well-being cup is running empty because you've been giving a lot to the other relationships in your life, then a self-care action might be planning a me time activity. So taking yourself out for a coffee by yourself or doing a meditation alone by yourself or something that allows you to just disconnect from your relationships for a moment so you can recharge your social battery. So when it comes to choosing the right self-care action for you, remember that self-care is any action that you do to take care of yourself. Taking care of yourself means responding directly to your well-being needs. And that means checking in with your well-being and asking yourself, well, what does my well-being need? What area of my well-being needs my attention? And what within that area of my well-being needs my attention? And what action can I take right now today to respond to that in some way and if I don't know what action to take who in my life what professional can I reach out to and get support from so that could be your doctor it could be um, a nutritional coach it could be a trainer at the gym it could be a talk therapist, a counselor, someone that you trust. If you can't come up with these answers yourself, then talking about it with someone else is a great place to start. Our last question comes from Lady. This is a short and simple question, but a great question still. How can I possess more self-confidence? I love this question. I love this topic, and I think it's something that I definitely want to dive into more in season three, this idea of our self-confidence. And when we think about self-confidence, I think for me personally, at least for a very long time, I thought that you either were a confident person or you weren't. That confidence was a personality trait and not a feeling or a skill or something that you can develop. When you think about confidence, what you're really talking about is your sense of self, 
your self-image. And as I've talked about before, that comes back to your self-narrative. So those stories that you tell yourself about yourself. And so if you want to work on feeling more confident in yourself, then what you need to work on first are those stories that you are telling yourself about yourself. And that boils down to your self-talk. One of the biggest blocks to your own confidence often is yourself and how you speak to yourself. We tell ourselves we can't do things a lot more often than other people tell us we can't do things. And so because we often have such a low opinion of ourselves in our self-talk, when we do hear that from someone else reflected back to us, it just gives us more evidence to fuel that unhelpful narrative that we tell ourselves about what we can't do or what we can't feel or where we don't belong. So working on that self-confidence really comes down to working on that relationship that you have with yourself and that starts with how you speak to yourself. Again, I have a whole episode on this in season one and I will link this in the show notes because it continues to be one of our most listened to episodes and I also did a lot of work around this in my feel good masterclass that I ran in November and again in February when I did my self-love valentine's workshop we touched on this again this idea that self-confidence comes from self-talk self-talk creates stories about ourselves in our minds. So it creates that narrative about who we believe we are, who we identify as. And so if we want a change in that, that starts with how we talk to ourselves, which yes, easier said than done. If you want to improve your self-talk, then you've got to be patient and start practicing and practicing and practicing and knowing that it takes small right actions to get there. So the first thing that I would say if you want to work on improving your self-talk, on rewriting your self-narrative and building up more confidence is to get a journal. Because one of the best places to explore the narrative that you have around yourself is through journaling. Especially if you don't have access to a therapist or a coach, someone who can soundboard your ideas with you the pages of a journal can help you achieve that. So get a journal and practice some stream of conscious writing. So at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, just writing what you're thinking as you're thinking it and maybe set a timer for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, five minutes, whatever is attainable for you and do that every day. The more that you practice it and you get more confident with that stream of conscious writing and it starts to come more naturally, once you get to a place where you really are feeling the flow of just writing what you think as you think it and not trying to filter it, then start to read back through what you're writing. And this is especially valuable when you do this stream of conscious writing after you've had a challenging moment. So if you are having a low confidence day, if you've had a difficult day, a bad day, or as I like to call it, a character building day, get your journal and do some stream of conscious writing and see what comes up and just let it come up. Don't filter it. Just write what you think as you think it and then reread it. So start to read 
the stories that you have about yourself. And again, allow yourself just some time to practice that. Once you get more comfortable reading what you write about yourself, so what you think about yourself, the narratives that you have about yourself, then the next step to building on that is starting to question or challenge this narrative about yourself. So reading it back and looking for the patterns. What are the things that keep coming up? What are the stories that you keep saying to yourself about yourself and start to question them? Like, is this true? What is the evidence to this? Am I capable of change? If this doesn't resonate with me, if it doesn't make me happy, what can I do to start to change this? And then think about what would you like the narrative to be? Challenge the narrative that's in here that's unhelpful and respond to that original piece of writing. So if you do five minutes of just writing what you think as you think it, then five minutes reading it back and then do five more minutes where you sit down and you rewrite that narrative from a more supportive, more helpful place. So that's about reframing what you are saying to be more helpful. So start to read the stories that you tell yourself about yourself and then start to challenge them. Start to open up some of those closed statements. Start to challenge the ideas that you have about yourself and then try to set yourself some goals around small actions that you can do to put into practice what you would like to feel. And by starting to look at it from that perspective of how can I close the gap? How can I move myself closer to the person that I would like to be? Then it's not about this feeling of I'm either confident or I'm not, but rather working on what actions can I take to help me feel more empowered and then when you do take those actions and you do have those success moments that's what's going to start to help you build that confidence because every time you have those success moments you will feel that lift in your confidence and you'll also have that evidence of I can do hard things I can do new things I can try things I can learn things and I might not succeed the first time But with practice, I can succeed. And that evidence, that proof it's possible is what will give you more confidence the next time you're facing that uncertainty. And that, lovely listeners, is a wrap for this episode of Fill Up Your Cup. I really hope you enjoyed listening and found the answers to these listener-submitted questions helpful. I had so much fun diving into the Listener's Cup and dedicating this whole episode just to answering your questions. It made me feel so connected with you all, and I love the idea that those of you who submitted questions are maybe on the other side, listening to the answers now and feeling a little bit more empowered to face the challenges that lie ahead on your journey. Remember that the Listener's Question Cup is always open. It is always linked in the show notes. So if you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to cover on the show next season, don't hesitate to drop your questions in there. 
I love hearing from you. I love answering your questions. I love having this community have an input in the content that I create for this show. You help me make it better. So feel free to drop your question in the listener's question cup and maybe we can do a few more episodes like this next season because I really enjoyed this. Also, if you enjoyed this episode of the show and you want to show your support for Fill Up Your Cup, remember that you can now support the show on coffee.com. Um, so you can send a one-time donation and buy me a coffee by going to coffee.com forward slash fill up your cup. But you can also now subscribe to give the show a monthly donation and join the fill up your cup community over there on coffee.com. And again, that is linked in the show notes and your support means the world for me and it helps me to keep creating the content that brings you joy to keep bringing you episodes that are going to help you feel more creative, more confident, and just more feel goodness in your life. And finally, if you haven't already, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to the show. Let me know your thoughts. Leaving a review really helps more people to discover the show and to join our community of cup fillers. So thanks again for listening and don't forget to come back next week for our season two finale for the replay of fill up your cup live it is a good episode and it's going to be such a great way to end out the season and as always remember you can't pour from an empty cup so make sure you make some time this week to fill into yours If you made it to the end of this episode, I want you to take a moment right now and remember that you are worthy of feel-good feelings. If you enjoyed today's episode, let me know by leaving a review or rating this episode wherever you like to listen to your podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on your podcast streaming app so that you never miss out on new episodes. If you want to submit a question or a story for a future episode or add to our suggestion cup, you can do so by heading on over to laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash podcast or by clicking the link in the show notes. You can also reach out to me by finding the podcast on Instagram as at fillupyourcuppod and you can send me a DM with your questions, stories, or ideas for the show. Don't forget, you can't pour from an empty cup. So give yourself a big hug from me right now and promise me you'll do one thing today that brings you joy.